This is Behold, a VBC podcast. Our goal is to examine biblical truth that will better equip you to behold the glory of the Lord more fully in your daily life. And without further ado, here is the Behold podcast. Well, hello there and welcome back to the Behold podcast. If this is your first time, as always, the man, we are so glad that you are just listening and choosing to spend this time beholding Jesus and his teachings and then what his followers said and ultimately what that means in our life now together. My name is Sean and today, sorry to say, it is just me. My uh, my trusted sidekick, Dan, is off on a ministry trip today. And so this will be a, a shorty, um, really just as an encouragement. You know, I don't, I don't know what you're going through in your weeks, you know, what your work balance has been like and what your family has going on. Um, but maybe this will be encouraging for you. You know, one thing that I've been studying this last week is one of the encounters between Jesus and his disciples. Um, and I shared a little bit about this at our Altamont youth ministry this week. And, you know, I asked these kids um, a couple questions just to start out. You know, the first one I asked them to be thinking about was, you know, in your time reading the Bible and, and studying in church with us, you know, how would you define the word love? And so now I'll ask that same thing to you, listener. How would you define the word love? You know, if I asked you, hey, what, is it, what does it mean to love somebody? What would you say about that? As, as a follow-up question to that, what, what are the kinds of things that make you feel loved? You know, what types of comments or actions or gifts, you know, what makes you feel loved? And as we dig into the Bible, you know, we see a lot of examples of what love is supposed to be like. You know, we see love modeled between one another. We see love from us towards God. You know, we call that worshiping him, loving him. Uh, his love for us demonstrated over and over again, of course. Um, and, and in scripture, we see a lot, and we talk about this a lot in the podcast as well, this term sacrificial love. You know, a love where we're giving something up for someone else and that being an expression of our love for them. So all that to say, with that kind of stirring our minds and hearts, uh, final question, which I asked the students and I'll ask you, um, in your time hearing about Jesus, reading about Jesus, what are things that stand out to you that he did? You know, what are some things that he did that, that you remember? And when I asked this at youth group the other night, there are some answers like, he walked on water, you know, or he uh, turned water into wine, you know, or he healed a blind man, or he healed a leper. Or one kid said, of course, you know, he died and he rose again. Or I think, I think he phrased it as he died and then he got up, you know, being funny, which is true. He did. What we're going to talk about today is the time that Jesus, just hours before he was going to be betrayed and sent to the cross, uh, washed his friend's feet. And specifically, we're looking at John's account of this in John 13 of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And just a couple takeaways for us. And at the end, we'll tie it into this, this series we're in, in Second Corinthians. You know, the first thing that we see when we read John 13, and this is really just in, in verse 1, is that Jesus puts loving others before all else, above all else, if you will. Um, if, if you're unfamiliar with the context of John 13, you know, Jesus has done ministry, he's done, gone through most of what you read through the gospels. And now, you know, they're about to go through, um, what we'd call the upper room discourse. 
And these are his last moments with his friends. You know, he knows the hour is coming, which we're about to see in a second. He knows he's about to be betrayed by Judas. He knows he's going to the cross soon to, to die for humanity. And so he knows that his time is almost up. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of us, if we were running out of time, <laughs> we would spend that time a little bit differently. You know, we'd want to eat our favorite foods again or go see the sights or, or whatever it is. But, but Jesus doesn't do that. And so starting in verse one in John 13, it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And I just think that's such a, an, a specifically phrased verse there that points to the heart of Jesus, you know, that in a way that many of us wouldn't, he, he really was putting loving others above all else and choosing to spend that last chunk of time in this really specific way. And the purpose of this way is to, to make this point clear to his followers you know, that love is above all else. We'll see that in John 13 here as the Holy Spirit's promise in John 14 and again, again in John 16. The, the, the reasoning for that and the mechanic that he's going to, to perform is to help us to love one another, to point towards Jesus. John 15, it's all about loving one another. So Jesus is clear that putting lo- that, that loving others is being put above all else. And again, he's about to go through some horrible things and he knows that. And yet this is how he spends his time. He loves them to the end. To go on in, in the narrative of John 13, you know, Jesus is hanging out with his friends, his disciples. And at one point he stands up and he takes off his outer robe um, and, you know, people, the people who are with him, they know that he's God. They know that he's king. They know that he is ruler of all, you know, and, and they worship him as such. And so when he stands up and takes his robe off and ties a towel around his waist, you can only imagine some of the thoughts going through their minds, you know, like, what is Jesus doing right now? But he, he, he got up, put the towel around his waist, and then he got a bowl of water and walked over to the, to the disciples and he starts washing their feet. You know, and, and I think that we forget nowadays what this context was like in terms of washing their feet. Now we all wear shoes and socks and whatnot, and we don't really walk all day long in dirty paths. You know, we walk to our cars and drive to work and walk in our buildings, you know, but, but 2000 years ago, people were wearing leather sandals and they are walking in dirt paths all day long and as Nate pointed out the other day, they're walking on the same paths as these horse carriages and cows are on. So they're walking through animal poop all day long. So when they get home, their feet are just disgusting. They're filthy. And if you're someone who's wealthy in this, this time, you get home and what happens is you, your servant washes your feet. Your f- servant washes the animal poop and the dirt off of your feet. And that's their job. You know, that, that, that position of feet washing is, is lower than you. It would be really strange for you to wash someone's feet who is lower than you. And so here they are, the disciples, they're, they're seeing King Jesus, who they know is King. And he starts washing their feet. and <laughs> You can only imagine the surprise on their faces. And they even say that, you know, one response to that is like, Jesus, are you washing my feet right now? Are you really doing this? You know, and Jesus's response is, well, yeah, I am. And, and, and I need to wash your feet if you want to be clean, cleansed. You know, and then one the, another response is, oh, well, if that's the case, then, you know, wash my hands on my head too. Wash everything, Jesus. You know, I think he's kind of missing the point. It's not in this moment, what Jesus is saying, it's not about the water on the person's feet right now. 
I think what he's pointing towards is the washing of, again, that, that sacrificial love. So Jesus says, no, 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 your feet's enough. That's not the point of this. And what is, I think stands out most to me in this time, you know, besides the fact that of course, this is so unlike any other ruler or authority to do this. You know, he's king, he's king of all. And yet he's washing the feet of those around him, but not just the people who are kind and loving to him. Jesus washes the feet of everyone, of his disciples. He washes Judas's feet who he knows is about to betray him, who he knows is about to send him to his death. And yet he washes his feet. So the second thing I I take away from this is that Jesus loved those around him unconditionally until the end. I asked this of the, the high schoolers and middle schoolers when I shared, but I'll ask you now, you know, when have you been betrayed? Obviously none of us have been betrayed like Judas betrayed Jesus, but you know, what's some, think of a time when someone said something about you that wasn't true or accused you of something or hurt you or whatever it was, whatever you felt betrayed. You know, did you, in a figure of speaking, wash their feet with love or did you respond in likeness? You know, Jesus models that for us. We see that here because he tells us, you know, they're, they're, they're saying, Jesus, why are you doing this? And he answers, hey, you tell me that I, I am teacher and I'm Lord. And you're right. I am your teacher and I am your Lord. So therefore, if you see me washing your feet, you need to do the same for one another. He's launching what's about to be this long, this long commandment of our love for one another. So think about that situation where you were hurt. You know, did you, did you love someone in that way? And if not, and pray for God's help, pray for the Holy Spirit to, to help make more clear for next time how you can do that. You know, right after that happens, this is when Judas kind of gets called out. You know, Jesus, they, they, he says, someone, one of you is going to betray me because he says, you're all clean except for one. And obviously if you're in that room, you'd probably be going, oh, who's the one? And so one of them says, hey, the guy next to Jesus, ask Jesus who it is. And so he does. And Jesus says, the one who I'm going to give this bread that I dip in, in sauce, the one who I give this bread to, that's who I'm, who's going to betray me. And he gives the bread to Judas. And he basically says, all right, Judas, what you need to do, what you're going to do, go do it quickly. Get on with it kind of thing. He knows exactly what Judas is, is about to do. He tells him to go do it. The disciples don't understand right now what that means, but they will pretty soon. And then once he leaves, Jesus makes it clear what what he's getting at in this whole thing. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. I think this part is so crucial. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Jesus is making it clear that, that this is the, the, the mechanic, the way, the mechanism for people to see who Jesus is in our lives by our love for one another. And this is repeated over and over again in the New Testament, you know, that people will, will, will see God through our love for one another. They will know that we actually love Jesus by the way that we love one another. You know, they will, they will, God will be glorified by the way that we bear fruit in our lives through our love for one another. So Jesus is making it clear now that this is the way. And I think as I was encouraging these students, you know, I think a lot of us sometimes feel a lot of pressure about how to share our faith or how to evangelize. And 
sometimes it feels really daunting to try to come up with these perfect two minute testimony type things or come up with a way for us to have that perfect, you know, conversation introduction with our coworker or whatever. Um, and those things are all valuable and important, uh, of course, but I, I think Jesus is making it clear that first and foremost, what's going to do that for us is by our love. And in some ways that really simplifies things a lot for us. You know, we don't have to think and look for that perfect specific window in our lives for when that, that moment's going to come with our neighbor. Instead, we can just focus on truly giving them foot washing types of love or, or, or giving our families or our other believing friends and letting them witness that. And that's going to be the inroad. And that's what's going to seem so different because just like Jesus in this situation, again, he is king overall. He has greater authority than anybody in the whole world. And yet here he is washing his disciples' feet. Just like the disciples are dumbfounded by this, I think the people around us will have that same type of response when we demonstrate that same type of humility that Jesus shows in this moment. And it actually ties really well with what we've been going through in second Corinthians, you know, because in, in chapter three, we, we looked at this, this amazing triumphant processional that we're not a, a part of because of Jesus, you know, he has won the victory and we are following him. We're spreading his aroma. We're sharing in, in what he has accomplished. And how do we do that through our love for one another? And as we behold Jesus, as we look to who he is and what he's done, like right now, as we behold his, his humility in washing his disciples' feet in his last hours of free life, we become more like him. We're transformed more and more into the same image of him and his glory together. In chapter four of Second Corinthians, man, we, 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 not only are we given this amazing new freedom and being able to behold him, but we're sufficient to be the, these ministers of this new covenant you know, even though we go through hard stuff and especially Paul and, and his and his friends at the time, they're going through real persecution, real bodily harm. You know, we're, we're reminded of this amazing treasure that we have in these jars of clay. And yet that's for the benefit of the kingdom of God. So again, as people witness the way that we get our cracks in our jars, whatever, whatever that looks like in your life, it's our loving attitude throughout that that will reveal that amazing treasure that we have inside of our jars of clay. And then now, you know, as we're wrapping up this resurrection life series, we're reminded one last one final time at the end of chapter five, that we have been given an amazing freedom and grace. We have been given access of this message of reconciliation with God. You know, the, the, the totality of the gospel message, the reality of what that means in our lives. And what do we do with that? We have a transformed view of those around us. Completely changes everything. And again, it's about love. Jesus' death on the cross defines the life of love that we now are free to walk in. And that definition, it totally changes our focus. Again, from, from the seen things to the unseen, the way that we view others. And what that means is we, we don't, judge people based on the same things. We don't judge our neighbor based on the world's standards of judging our neighbor. Instead, we relate to them in a new way that surpasses the old way in every sense. And that new way is founded on love. It's founded on sacrificial love as modeled by Jesus on the cross. When we talk about this, this new influence, because we've been saying that word a lot in these last few weeks, influence, this is what we mean. It's not, oh, just 
power in, 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 in social media or followers. It's a new gospel influence. It's an influence completely grounded on and pointing towards this kind of sacrificial love. Because again, as Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And I think what he's really saying is not just, oh, that you're my disciples, but really they will know the, 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 to, the, the total reality of what resurrection life looks like through your love for one another. Not just that you follow me, but that I'm real in your lives. You know, this is John 13 and John 14. Again, the Holy Spirit is promised to us. And again, that's the confirmation of the life we have with Jesus. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the great helper to allow us to have this kind of transformed, loving influence with those around us. So all that to say, I just, it's, it's a great window this week for us to just take these 20 minutes or however long it's been. Sorry if it's been longer to just look at a time where Jesus did something. And what do we learn from that? You know, I think a lot of us can sometimes focus too heavily or not too heavily focus heavily on, you know, kind of the big wow factor moments when it comes to Jesus, you know, calming the storm, transforming lives by touching their robes. It's amazing moments, you know, healing people, res- amazing things happening. And, and yet sometimes some of the most applicable things and relatable things, and I think this is not by mistake by Jesus, some of the most relatable things for us are these tender moments between him and his disciples where he, he sh- shows ultimate humility and then makes it clear. The reason he's doing this is to, to help us understand how to love one another. So as, as I'm wrapping up here, I almost said we're, it's just me. As I'm wrapping up here, be thinking about this. You know, when you behold Jesus and his character and his love for us, when you, when you see his humility with his friends, his humility, humility in life, and ultimately his ultimate humility upon the cross, you know, what, what does this look like for us? Because if you trust Jesus, you're indwelled with the Holy Spirit. You, you can do this kind of love love founded influence with those around you. So what does it look like? You know, and specifically what are, what are ways that I know it's a little bit hard to, to draw parallels with today when it comes to foot washing, but we have those things. Absolutely. We have things where, you know, it's unusual for a boss to treat an employee a certain way. We have things where it's unusual for, you know, a certain senior in high school or treat a freshman a certain way or whatever it is for whoever's listening. We all have our, th- we, we know what these arenas are. How can you model that same type of humility and love that Jesus shows in John 13 with his friends? That's it for today. As always, our prayer is that the Holy Spirit and God will use this to um, just encourage you, you know, to provoke some stimulating thought in your own life convict if he needs to, encourage if it's beneficial, and more than anything, just be useful for the way that you behold Jesus in your life today and and this week. So thanks for checking out Behold This Week on this short. Again, we hope that you are encouraged by the person of Jesus and how he was with his friends. We'll catch you this Sunday at both campuses as you wrap up the Resurrection Life series. And then of course, next week for Behold. Bye. Thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes of Behold. If you would like more information about Valley Bible Church, or if you'd like resources from this episode, go ahead and check out vbc.online forward slash behold. Catch you guys next week.